0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Now a certain man saw it in verse 10 and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom. Hanging in a tabernacle tree. So Joab, you can't make this stuff up, look. So Joab said to the man who told him, you just saw him? And why didn't you strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. And the man said to Joab, though I were to receive ten shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai saying, beware. Verse 5. Beware, lest any touch the young man, Absalom. Otherwise, I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king. And you yourself would have set yourself against me. And Joab said, I can't linger. I can't talk to you. Get away from me. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the Tiburon tree. And the young men who bore Joab's armor, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. I'll explain. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people, and they took Absalom, and they cast him in a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him, and then all of Israel fled, everyone to his own tent. Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called, what saints? Absalom's monument. Stop right there, give me your attention. Absalom's um, met, the Bible tells us verse nine, met the servants of David. And we don't know how he met the servants of David. We are not given the details there. Perhaps the 20,000 dead men, Absalom is fleeing the scene of the crime, comes around the bend, and runs right into the servants of David. Second Samuel 17 tells us that Ahithophel told Absalom not to go to battle. And maybe because Absalom wasn't a great fighter, he definitely wasn't smart. Because if you're gonna go to battle, you don't go to battle riding a mule. Amen. He's not a general. So maybe Absalom was trying to get away, the mule went under the tree, And Absalom's head got caught in the tree, and he's left there hanging. Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, tells us that his hair was caught by a branch in the tree. Chapter 14, we learn that Absalom had beautiful hair. If you were with me in chapter 14, I told you that uh, Absalom is the Old Testament Fabio. He had beautiful, beautiful hair. Beautiful hair. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us every year he cut six pounds of it, and he weighed it. Think about that. Who goes to battle with their hair blowing in the wind? If he would have put, I mean, I'm reading something. going, why didn't he just put it like, what, what do y'all do with it? You put it in a, a bun. Why do not you just put like a man bun or something? Man, just put the thing up. And if you would have put it up, you wouldn't have been swinging between heaven and earth by your hair. Who does that? So Absalom's probably proud of his beautiful thick hair and that pride, watch this, That pride left him hanging from a tree. That pride cost him his life. Hanging between heaven and earth. The thing you pride yourself in, I'm going to say this and move on. The thing you pride yourself in is the thing that will kill you. Verse 10 tells us a certain man saw it and told Joab, I just saw Absalom swinging from a tree. That's awesome. (laughs) I just saw Absalom swinging from a tree. Joab said, what do you mean you saw Absalom? Why didn't you kill him? Joab said, I would have given you money and a belt to kill him. The man said, no amount of money would cause me to disobey the king. And he specifically asked not, he was specifically asked not to kill Absalom. Remember again, verse five, David said, be gentle. And the man said, if I would have killed him, we would go back to the camp. The king would say, who killed my son? And everyone would have said that guy. And then the king would tell you, kill me. And you would kill me. And what good would money and a belt do me if I'm dead? Well, verse 14, Joab said, I don't want to talk about it because Joab knew the guy was right. Joab took three spears or javelins and put it in the heart of Absalom. Now, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, when the heart is mentioned, many times a heart can mean just a torso. It can mean the entire torso. So more likely, those spears maybe went into his stomach and that's considered the heart in Hebrew because the men then come by and kill him so he wasn't dead so he put those spears in his stomach area but note Joab disobeys the king's command now listen i want you listening quick listen closely look at me Joab this tells us something about Joab Joab probably this is what i feel As you read the text, you can kind of see this. David, I believe, lost control of Joab way before this. Joab disobeys the king. David lost control of Joab way before this. 2 Samuel chapter 12, David takes Bathsheba and she gets pregnant, remember? And David tries to think quick and he begins to hatch a plan after several attempts to get Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to sleep with his wife. Uriah refused to go in and sleep with her because of integrity. And David then writes a letter and he sends it to who saints? Joab by the hand of Uriah. And the letter told Joab to put Uriah in the heat of the battle to have him killed. Uriah was one of David's mighty men and Uriah trusted David. And that's why David wasn't worried that he would open the letter. Joab did what David asked and later learned of the sin of Bathsheba with Bathsheba. And it's probably right there that Joab thought, hmm, I'm going to start making my own decisions. I'm going to start doing what I, what I think is best. So Joab puts three javelins into Absalom against the word of the king, but he wasn't dead. Verse 15 tells us 10 guys finished him off. And again, the sword shall never depart from your house. Absalom's rebellion, Ahithophel's bitterness, and Joab's anger. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. It tells us that those things happened to them, or the scriptures in the Old Testament, the stories that we have in the Old Testament, happened to them for examples to us. So when you read the Old Testament, they're examples to us. We're to learn from them. And they're written down to warn us. And I think of the immorality in David's life and ministry. Immorality, listen, bears no good fruit. Rebellion bears no good fruit. Bitterness bears no good fruit. It defiles others and consumes you. Anger. Are y'all listening? Anger. Anger bears no good fruit. When people don't submit to the word of God and the authority of God, there's nothing but bad fruit. And this is what we see in the life of David. This is what we see in the ministry of David. In verses 16, let's pick up in verse 19. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Then Ahimeaz... The son of Zadok said, let me run now and take the news to the king how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. And then Joab said to the Cushite, go tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimez, the son of Zadok, he's a priest, said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. And so Joab said, underline this in your neighbor's Bible. Why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, let me run. And so he said to him, run. And then Ahinamaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. The Bible tells us that Joab... Blew the trumpet in verse 16. Back up a little bit. Joab blew the trumpet in verse 16. That's a shofar. You might want to write that in your margins to stop the bloodshed. And remember, there are more than 20,000 people already dead. Verse 17, they took Absalom and they put him in a pit. Now listen, that is biblical. That's biblical. Parents, this one's for you. Deuteronomy chapter 21, 18 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gates of his city. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This, this son of ours, this son of ours. Doesn't that sound like parents? This son of ours. Usually, I, when my kids do something, I say, That son of yours. She goes, No, it ain't my son, that's your son. It ain't my son, that's your son. This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones, and so you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. So they buried Absalom, the Bible tells us they buried Absalom under a heap. And that's justice in God's economy. In the wilderness, in a pit, which was a typical way you bury someone who was despised and a criminal. Listen, Joab had done his best to restore and bring Absalom back to the kingdom, but he refused. And he turned his back on his father and Joab. So like a disobedient son, they throw his body into a pit and they bury him under stones. Verse 18. Interesting. Absalom. Look at verse 18. Just look at it again. Absalom in his lifetime set up a pillar for himself, which is in the King's Valley because he didn't have a son to keep his name. He called the pillar Absalom's Monument. Now when we go to Israel, we, um, we, I don't think we've actually ever stopped there, but we actually circle around there. Absalom's Monument is still today in the Kidron Valley. And if you've been in Israel with us, you know we kind of circle around the Kidron Valley. We're up on the Temple Mount and up on the Mount of Olives. And um, But Absalom's monument is in the middle of the Kidron Valley. You can see it. And uh, when we go there, I might make a point to point it out to you. Uh, Absalom says, I have no son to keep my remembrance, my name in remembrance. Now, chapter 14, if you're taking notes, saints, chapter 14, verse 27 Tells us that Absalom had three sons and one daughter. And it's possible that Absalom's children were killed in the battle. The Bible tells us before Absalom was killed, he set up a monument for himself. Now listen, the world is full of monuments. Monuments of human pride, the Tower of Babel. Monuments of human wickedness, Sodom and Gomorrah. Monuments of human obstinacy and stubbornness, like the Temple of the Jews. Monuments of the great, the gifted, and the good. 1 Samuel 15, 12, Saul set up a monument. Monuments are erected to remember someone or something. People are erecting monuments every day. Monuments to your success in business. Monuments to building an empire. Monuments to how gifted you are, maybe in some sport. Monuments to your 401k plan. All kinds of monuments. But what about the greatest monument? Huh? The greatest monument that you can set up is to erect a testimony for your family. A testimony for your children. Absalom carved out something to remember him. When in fact, listen, we remember that he was a murderer, a traitor, and not a good son. We remember His vanity, that he took pride in his hair. We remember that he hung in a tree by the thing that he prided himself in. We all remember he was killed by Joab and has no heritage for his children. So question, what do you want people to remember about you? What do you want people to remember about you? How about how generous you are? How about how full of love you? for God and love for his people and gracious you are toward others. How about how much you cared for other people and put their knees before yours? You see, the real monument is a godly life. Somebody, two people could say amen right there. A real monument is a godly life for your kids and your grandkids and when you go home to be with Jesus, Your kids, because everybody's going home to be with Jesus, right? Uh, Or going home or leaving here. Let's say that. Let's say that and get that right. Your kids, what do you want them to say about you when you're gone? Oh, my dad never spent time with me. Well, my mom was never there. Well, we had all kinds of problems in our home. Or, man, we had a lot of money. And I had iPads and iPhone 7 when it came out. And I knew, at MacBook Air. I had everything, my own room, swimming pool, movie stars. What do you want me to say? Or how about, you know, my dad loved the Lord. My dad loved Jesus. Now, y'all mighty quiet tonight, but that's all right. I'm going to preach anyway, so y'all sit right there. My dad loved the Lord. My dad loved Jesus. My my mom loved Jesus. My my, my mom loved other people. We took people in our home. We cared for people. This is a legacy you want to leave your children. You don't want to leave your children a legacy of you have money or you have success. You have wealth. Listen, if you leave your kids something that a lawyer has to settle, you have left them nothing. Let me say that to this side of the room. If you leave your kids with something that a lawyer has to settle, you've left them nothing. You've left them nothing. You might as well leave them nothing. Absalom built himself a monument. He names it after himself. Verse 19, we just read it. Ahinamaz wanted to take David. Go ahead and look at verse 19. Peruse with me. Ahinamaz wanted to take David, the news of Israel's victory and Absalom's death to David, And he really wanted to take it. Look at verse 9. I'm going somewhere. Look at it. Ahinamaz said, let me run now. Verse 22. Verse 19. Ahinamaz said, let me run now. Verse 22. Let me run also. Verse 23. Let me run. He really wanted to run. So, amen. So Ahinamaz begged Joab. Joab gave in and said, run. Go ahead. Get out of here. Verse 23, Ahinamaz took the route through the valley of Mahanaim and outran the Cushite. It was about three miles to run to where David was in Mahaneam. Did you get this? Ahinamaz is running, but he has no message. The Cushite is running with a message. Ahinamaz was the faster runner, but he's running with nothing to say, no message. Look at verse I want to read verse 24 again. Look at verse 24. Now, David was sitting between the two gates. Or did I read it already? Look at it. Now, David was sitting between the two gates and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked. And there was a man running alone. And then the watchman cried out and told the king and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. And then the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, there is another man running alone. And the king said, he also brings news. And so the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahinamaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, he's a good man and comes with good news. And Ahinamaz called out and said to, to the king, all is well. And then he bowed with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord, the king. And the king said, Is a young man, Absalom, safe? Is my son okay? And Ahinamaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult. But I didn't know what it was all about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand there. And so he turned aside, and he stood still. And just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose up against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom, my son, is he safe? And so the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you to do harm be like that man. Saying, "Stop right there!" Watchman saw Ahinamaz running and told the king there was a man running, and that's good news. Well, the watchman in verse twenty-six saw another man running, and he said, "The first guy's running looks like Ahinamaz. Now, if you look, if you read verse uh, uh, the King James version, uh, verse uh, twenty seven so the watchman said I think the running of the first is like the running of a hitemass. If you're reading King James it says Me thinketh the running I just love that. Me thinketh who talks like that anymore Me thinketh me thinketh the running of the first is a Hinnemaz. You gotta wonder what kind of run a Hinnemaz had. Think about it. I mean, people have like a distinctive run. They really do. Ahinamaz, in verse 28 and 29, reaches the king, he bowed down, and he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord your God who has delivered those against you. And David, in verse 9, immediately asked about his son Absalom. And Ahinamaz, he said, I saw a great tumult, but I didn't know what it was about. Ahinamaz is trying to tell David of the victory, killing 20,000 men. David interrupts. Did you pick that up? He interrupts and says, what happened to Absalom? Tell me about my son. Is he safe? But the king, they said, uh, you know, uh, there's a great victory. I mean, aren't you excited? There's a great victory to happen today. He says, what about Absalom? And then in verse 30, David told the to stand over to the side and stand still. The Cushite came in, verse 31, and said, there's good news, king. The Lord has avenged you. Again, verse 32, David asked, how is Absalom? Is he saved? Cushite said, oh, who rise up against you to do harm? Be like that young man. When he said that, that told David, yes, your son is dead. And that's hard news for a parent. I mean, I don't care what your kid does. It, it's something very unnatural about losing a child. And I think that if you've lost a child, you know how that feels. It's very unnatural. You, you know, you grow up and you think... You know, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to bury my parents, and then my kids are going to bury me, and their kids are going to bury them. And you kind of look at the circle of life just like that. Everybody kind of does. But when you lose a child, that's, that's terrible, it's terrible. you got to wonder how David felt, irregardless, or regardless of what um, you know, Absalom was like and his life was like and his sin was like, and that was David's son. And David loved him still. So losing a child is very, very difficult. They told David, Absalom is dead. Now, a couple of things we can learn here. I want you to grab your pen. A couple of things to learn here. Number one, being a fast runner doesn't mean you got a good message. Being a fast runner doesn't mean you got a good message or you're a good messenger. Running isn't everything. Running with a message is everything. Are you listening? Running with a message is everything. Ahinamaz was a fast runner, but he's running with no message. And many believers are just like that. They're running, but they're not equipped. They're running, but they have no message. They're ready to serve, and they're zealous, and, but they don't have a message. That's like trying to fulfill the Great Commission but forgetting to take the gospel with you. You have no message. Many people want to look important, but they don't have a message. They want to preach from the pulpit but they don't have a message. They get saved and they learn a little bit about the scripture and they think that they're ready to take over Wednesday night. (laughs) They don't have a message. They're running in vain. I thought of what Paul said to the church of Galatia in chapter two, verse two, Paul says, and I went up by revelation. and I committed to them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain, Second John one nine Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Running isn't everything. That's the second point. Running isn't everything. Running with a message is everything. Don't try to run somebody else's race. Somebody say amen. Don't, run, don't try to run somebody else's race. Run the race that God gave you. Hebrews 12:2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, not enjoyed the cross, endured the cross, and despised his shame. Ahinemaz had ambition and ability, but he lacked the maturity of Needed to minister to the king. And then lastly, truth is not always popular. If you're not going to tell the truth, don't run. If you're not going to tell the truth, don't run. But if you're going to run, then run ready to tell the truth. And if you're not going to tell the truth, don't be a runner. Don't be a runner. You can tell the truth. You're ready to tell the truth? Then be a runner.